Happy Friday and good afternoon, Lafayette. This is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show News Talk 96.5 KPL. Glad to be with y'all here on the last day of a rather stellar week as far as the weather has gone for the most part, except for Wednesday. Uh, but, you know, there's a lot of cars out there. I guess you guys just want to see this beautiful blue sky. Lots of cars out there, as we mentioned in the traffic update. Uh, a couple things to keep your eye on, but things not as bad Typically on the roads, just a lot of cars out there. 232-1542-232-1542 if you want to be part of the program. Since I've started this show, I have said routinely the Democrats are set for a big loss this year in these midterms. And the Cook Political Report, a nonpartisan, although they typically kind of lean a little bit to the left, a nonpartisan a uh, political uh, analysis group that studies elections and the shifts in the elections. They're now not just saying that they that we could be seeing a red wave here in 2022. They're actually using the phrase "red tsunami." This week. Democratic and Republican campaign operations acknowledge that the House playing field is expanding. I told y'all yesterday that the Republican Party is looking at about 72 Democratic-held seats that they are willing to target this year. The NRCC, the National Republican Campaign Committee, is now adding another 10 districts to that already robust list. On the Democratic side, the House Majority PAC, which is a political action group uh, focused on retaining a Democratic majority in the House, announced it would be reserving nearly $102 million in advertising in a whopping 51 media markets for the fall campaign. So there's a little bit of history to go into this. I want to explain that uh, for the next couple minutes, just kind of give you the lay of the land historically of what this looks like. In every midterm election since 2006, the party in the White House has seen its share of two party uh, of the two party House vote drop anywhere from 6.5 to 17 points from the previous presidential election. For example, in 2004, Republicans won the National House by 2.7%. 50.1% uh, to the Democrats, 47.4%. But two years later, Democrats won the National House vote, 52.8% to 44.9%, which is about an 11-point shift in the Democrats' favor. That resulted in a 31-seat pickup in the House. In 2010, Republicans won the House vote by almost seven points, a 17-point improvement from their 2008 showing. They ended up winning 64 House seats that year. Currently, Real Clear Politics shows on the generic ballot Republicans ahead by 3.6 points. If that holds up through Election Day, it will represent a 6.6% positive shift to Republicans from the 2020 Democrats. Democrats won the National House vote by 3.1 points in 2020. So, what does a 6.6% shift look like? Right now, 
that would be probably 20 to 30 of those seats that Republicans are targeting if they hold up on that 6.6 to 7% shift. However, the Republicans are feeling very confident that they can put 82 Democratic seats into play. That's a huge percentage of the Democratic control of the House. That has Democrats very worried. And the fact that they're reserving so much money for advertising in 51 pretty big markets suggests that they realize there are that many seats or close to it that are that vulnerable. If that's the case, like the Cook Political Report says, it's not just a red wave in 2022, it's a red tsunami. 232-1542, when we come back, there are more warning signs. Democrats are fleeing the Biden administration. I said it yesterday. Now we have a big divergence of Senate Democrats from the Biden administration. We'll have that and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542 if you want to join in on the conversation. So Republicans are now targeting up to 82 Democratic-held seats in the House of Representatives. Democrats are looking to start running ads in 51 significant markets. That's a pretty, pretty big sign that the Democrats are in trouble. But consider this as well. The Biden administration is now going to be suspending Title 42, which is the uh, the regulation. Uh, it's part of the U.S. Code. It's the regulation that the um, the Surgeon General can basically say we're not going to take new immigrants into the country because of a health crisis. In in this case, uh, in this case, it was COVID nineteen. It was a global pandemic. And the Trump administration interpreted that rule. It was challenged by pro-immigrant groups, but it, it was upheld. Uh, the Trump administration interpreted that to use it to turn away immigrants at the border uh, coming in from Central and South America. And pro-immigrant groups have been ranting and raving about this since Trump initialized it and since the Biden administration came into office and essentially continued it. And while the Biden administration is not really comfortable saying the pandemic is over, they're essentially with this move saying the pandemic is over. We don't have a health crisis that we have to worry about immigration anymore. And so they are suspending it. It will effectively uh, be revoked as of May 23rd. So they have a timeline that they've put out there now, and they're saying that once May 23rd hits, this is no longer the case, and the Department of Homeland Security's normal procedures will take root. Four prominent Democratic senators are on the record publicly stating, I think there are actually more, but there are four key ones that are telling the Biden administration You've messed up here. Kirsten Cinema and Mark Kelly are the senators from Arizona. Kelly is up for re-election this year. 
and Kelly's chances are already not looking great. And Kelly secretly, maybe not so secretly based on the statements coming out now, is livid with the Biden administration for putting immigration back as a prominent issue in his race. Arizona's on the border. The expectation is that when Title, 5, Title 42 is lifted, immigration will surge once again. It's basically been a nonstop surge for the last year or so, and even more since the Biden administration took over. But really, it's been a nonstop issue. And getting rid of Title 42 is only going to make the situation worse. You already have overcrowded containment facilities. You have uh, a lot of overworked and underpaid uh, custom border agents that are there. Law enforcement cannot keep up. And the situation has become dire. The Biden administration is relocating a lot of these immigrants that are taking into, taken into custody and relocating them to American cities. The immigration issue is one of those issues that is not polling well for the Democrats right now. And to take this and make the immigration crisis worse at the border is basically the Biden administration telling Mark Kelly, we're writing you off. They may not actually be saying that, but that's essentially what their actions are showing. And that's a problem for Mark Kelly. Kelly is in trouble. Arizona is a purple state. Now, Mark Kelly's biggest benefit in the race is the fact that the Arizona GOP is bat poop crazy. And they're going to put forward some pretty crazy candidates. But Mark Kelly's in trouble. The polling shows Mark Kelly is in trouble. The governor of Arizona, Doug Ducey, was planning to jump in, but Trump promised uh, to find somebody to challenge him if uh, Ducey hopped in. And Ducey's like, I don't want that fight. He doesn't want to go. He doesn't want to wade through that crazy. So he's going to let the rest of the Arizona GOP deal with it. But Kirsten Cinema, Mark Kelly of Arizona, are both against this. Joe Manchin is against this plan. And Maggie Hassan, uh, New Hampshire, I think, somewhere in New England, is also saying that she doesn't think this is the right idea. Now, Maggie Hassan is a progressive. She's not really that much of a, of a centrist like Joe Manchin is. Uh, she, she was one of the ones that was kind of whispered about in the background. Uh, whenever everybody was talking about Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema, a lot of folks were saying, well... They're taking a lot of fire for Democrats like Maggie Hassan, who's kind of on the fence, doesn't want to go as progressive. But Maggie Hassan is also disagreeing with the Biden administration on this. Four prominent Democrats in the U.S. Senate. And this is important because the Democrats cannot afford to lose a single seat in the Senate. If they do, the Biden agenda is shut down. Mitch McConnell becomes the leader in the Senate again. And ooh boy, is that going to be fun. The Democrats cannot afford to give up ground in the Senate. Because not only does that shut down the Biden agenda, but that also shuts down Biden's chances of getting uh, progressive judges onto the bench. Mitch McConnell say what you will, does a masterful job of controlling the judicial nominations process. And given that they've eliminated the filibuster for judicial nominees, 
Biden has no chance of getting progressive judges through. And there's no chance that Biden can undo a lot of what Republicans under Trump did for the four years Trump was in office. Mitch McConnell got conservative judges onto the bench across the country, filled a ton of seats. And let's just say, let's just say you have a Democrat that crosses lines and votes against Katanji Brown Jackson. Not saying it will happen, but consider that happening. Joe Biden does not have a chance to get somebody else through because the Republicans will feel emboldened to fight all the way through the midterms. And then if they win the Senate in the midterms, what's the Joe Biden doesn't get a Senate, a, a Supreme Court nominee for two more years. Or they force Biden to go really, really moderate on a judge. And if the Republicans hold this strategy and they don't win the Senate, well, then the, what's the worst that can happen? A progressive judge fills a progressive judge's seat. But the Democrats in the Senate are very, 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 I could say very as many times as there are seats the Republicans are targeting the House. They're very, very nervous because just one Senate seat could blow the whole thing wide open and ruin Biden's not just his legislative agenda, but also his chance to get judges on the court. But the Biden administration is going full steam ahead on these progressive policies, not because they think it's an electoral winner for them, but because they have to get the progressive base on their side. And I've told you guys for the last couple of days, the Biden administration is showing a lot of signs of weakness in the Republican Party by focusing on progressive base issues rather than issues that can win moderates over. They're going full steam ahead on Title 42. They're going full steam ahead on the environmentalist stuff, which I'm going to talk about in the next segment. They're going full steam ahead on a bunch of things that they can do executively so that they can try to keep the progressives engaged and get them to come out to the polls in November. 82 House seats. And now Mark Kelly screaming about the Biden administration's Title 42 policy and the fact that there are plenty of Senate races where the Republicans can beat a Democrat and completely ruin Biden's agenda going forward. 232-1542, if you want to call in, we're going to go ahead and take a short, uh, a short bottom-of-the-hour news break. When we come back, environmental issues. The Biden administration made an announcement on fuel economy today. We've got to talk about that. We've got to talk about what else we're seeing from the Biden administration's executive orders and how they impact you and me and ruin their electoral chances. All that and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Glad to be with y'all on this beautiful Friday afternoon, 232-1542, if you want to call in and be part of the show. Now, today, the Biden administration unveiled a new executive order, a new uh, regulation on automotive makers, auto manufacturers. They want automakers by 2026 to be producing cars with a guaranteed fuel economy 
of 46 miles per gallon. I don't know what y'all are driving right now, but uh, 46 miles per gallon is a lot higher than what most of us are driving. And the technology to create that within the next three and a half years doesn't seem to be readily available. So it's going to take a lot. It's going to force a lot of research and investment and trial and error to go on within a short amount of time. And I'm not sure that that's actually going to be ultimately beneficial. You know, the, the Obama administration came up with a regulation to force automakers to implement that start-stop system, that, that auto-stop system in vehicles produced, I think, after uh, 2018. Um, or is it, it was maybe it was before Trump came into office, but essentially that was the plan, was to get auto manufacturers to reduce fuel economy. So what auto manufacturers did was come up with this start-stop system that if you, in a regular vehicle that's made after that certain date, if you press hard enough on your brake, essentially, it shuts the engine off entirely, which reduces your fuel consumption while you're at a stoplight. And it saves on fuel economy. It, it saves and, and increases your fuel economy. The problem is that these systems cause a couple of different issues. For example, if you engage the gas too fast after uh, disengaging the auto stop system, your, your engine could stall out for a, a moment that at, a, at a stoplight. Um, and every time you're essentially turning on and off an engine, you're decreasing the life of your engine. So you're actually putting more wear on your engine in these situations. It's a problem that because it's such a new thing, we haven't really seen the long-term results. But there are a lot of uh, a lot of car websites, a lot of a lot of. Uh, folks, kind of hobbyists and, and researchers who looked at this who said, this is actually not all that good for car engines. You're actually going to end up incurring more costs by having to fix your engine a lot sooner than if we didn't have this system. But the left is pushing for these environmental regulations. It's the same with ethanol. Uh, the Obama administration, even the Trump administration, they were searching... Uh, for ways to increase the amount of ethanol in gasoline. You know, right now you go and buy gas, chances are there is ethanol that's in the gasoline you're putting into your vehicle. Well, ethanol, particularly at the higher concentrations, which is what the environmentalist groups were pushing for and what farmers were pushing for because they got a lot of government subsidy for growing the corn that goes into producing the ethanol, those higher concentrations can actually be damaging to your fuel systems and your engine. But all for the sake of environmentalism, or in the case of some, all for the sake of making sure that farmers uh, get more money from the government, big corn, if you want to refer to them like that, they were all in for it. It made certain lobbying groups happy. But all of the environmental stuff, is hurting the Democrats as well. Again, the Democrats are looking at a red tsunami, according to the Cook Political Report. A red tsunami that will wipe out the Democrats in the House, potentially in the Senate, and make it that much more difficult for Joe Biden to get anything done except by pen and paper. 
which is not ideal because then the next Republican administration, which chances are will be in 2024, will come in and undo everything in the blink of an eye. The Biden administration, though, really doesn't have much of a choice. They are trying to keep their base from just sitting at home on uh, in, in November. If their base stays home, if their base is depressed and staying home, the Democrats are sunk. You could easily see 75 seats taken by the Republicans. Again, Republicans, as of yesterday, were aiming, were aiming to throw money at 72 races. Now they've added another 10 races to that. They think they can be really competitive in upwards of 80 races. And the Democrats are reserving money to run ads in over 50 markets. That's a sign. The Biden administration is pushing forward on these environmental agendas, pushing forward on Ketanji Brown-Jackson, pushing forward on looking for ways to hand out money. Nancy Pelosi wants to give everybody a gas rebate card, hand out more money to help us afford gas, despite the fact that all the money handouts are causing a lot of the inflation problems we're seeing right now. The Democrats are trying to keep their base happy. They don't care at this point about the moderates. They don't care about winning over some Trump skeptical or, or Republican skeptical, I'm sorry, conservative skeptical Republicans. No, they're focusing on the progressives. They're focused on their own base. Not even the center-left Democrats, the far-left Democrats. They are focused on all of them. Because they are concerned. They are concerned that their voters are not going to show up. And because of that, they have to make these progressive plays. That is a huge warning sign. So again, the Biden administration is now putting a regulation on auto manufacturers to force them to develop vehicles that have fuel economy of a 46 miles per gallon at minimum. That's the, and they want that by 2026. It seems like a Herculean task for the automakers. And they can possibly do it, but again, the auto start-stop system that's been developed in recent cars actually looks like it's causing more wear and tear on engines. So it may be saving you on fuel costs, but it's going to increase your mechanic costs down the road. But they don't care. Because, hey, you're saving at the gas pump. We're fighting, in, we're fighting climate change. Never mind your cars. 232-1542. Let's go ahead and take an early break. When we come back, I know some of you are trying to call in. We'll get to your calls in this last segment. And hey, Jen Psaki's leaving. We can all celebrate that. We'll have all that and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. 232-1542. If you want to join in and be part of the show. The Biden administration is in trouble. And their legislative agenda is already dead. It's looking like they're going to be giving up the House and possibly the Senate. And they can't do anything but double down on progressivism. They have to try to keep their base involved. And it's just going to continue to be a downward spiral for the Biden administration 
as they try to just keep Democrats on board. But you have four prominent Democrats who are against the Title 42 stuff, a bunch of progressives who are saying they're not doing enough that's progressive. And it's just a mess for the Democrats. 232-1542, if you want to call in, we're going to jump to the phone lines. Renee is on the line. Renee, how are you today? I'm okay. I was just thinking, you know, the progressive ha- have like, you know, a pattern and uh, a motor operai. They always come out with these ridiculous laws. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I- I've been thinking, you know, what good, great ridiculous law or-, or law that might make sense we need. How about nationally and, and uh, state-wise, either one that could pass, the George Orwell Bill, George Orwell Bill of 2022 with some animal form amendments to uh, take care of these politicians that if we could prove actively or using active measures to wreck our government and commit economic hate crimes against humanity for our citizens. Like, I don't care if it's stopping boat flow of traffic, buying gas from a hostile country, any stupid thing messing up the economy or messing up our uh, cultural integrity on behalf of promoting a revolt so they could have a communist government in their college hippie minds, lock up these bastards, break the key, and throw it away. If that's possible. Maybe I'm asking too much. Maybe it's too wild, but I'm sure they have a wild, parallel, bizarre universe position waiting for us if they ever win and take over this place. All right, Renee, thank you very much for the call. It's an interesting idea. I think you'll probably find that there are some First Amendment issues with that because you'll have to define what these what these issues are, and it's going to be a, a terribly painful court battle for anybody involved. 232-1542, if you want to join in and be part of the show as well. I want to jump gears a little bit. Now, I'm going to bring something up knowing full well that probably a decent number of y'all actually don't care all that much. But I'm excited because we had the World Cup draw today. And the U.S. has been grouped with England, Iran, and the winner of the Euro Cup, which will probably end up being Ukraine, I think. Um, Ukraine will probably be uh, the, the last team in that World Cup grouping. Now, I know... Soccer probably isn't of interest to a lot of you, but I'm excited about that. First of all, the day after Thanksgiving, we play England. That's going to be fantastic. There will be few things that will make you more patriotic the day after Thanksgiving than the U.S. seeking to beat England again. England hates playing us, by the way. The very thought of England losing in a soccer match to America drives the British up the wall. They do not. They do not want to take part in that. They do not want to be party to losing to America again. They've been bitter about losing to America ever since a bunch of drunk deists ended their chances of a global empire just a few centuries back. But I'm excited. I like world I like watching the World Cup. I like when America qualifies. I like supporting my country in the World Cup. Excited for that. Now Jumping, ge- jumping gears again, because I do want to bring up one other topic. Y'all don't know who Taylor Lawrence is. I know who Taylor Lawrence is because I get, I get frustrated 
with millennials in the media who aren't entitled in reporting on things that aren't really all that important. But Taylor Lawrence is one of these self-entitled millennials in the media who is out there right now saying she suffers severe PTSD from mean tweets that she's gotten over the course of her journalism career. Now, Lawrence is a reporter. She was at the New York Times, and now she's at the Washington Post. She reports on the goings-on of social media. The problem with Lawrence is that a, she has used her position as a reporter of the goings-on of social media to essentially engage in glorified cyberbullying. If you were doing something online that she deemed problematic, she would go after you, she would expose you, she would essentially try to get your life ruined. But she would package it in a regular journalism story. But she's out there now saying that all the mean tweets that she's gotten over the course of her career, have they've, they've given her severe PTSD, which is an insult to anybody who's actually suffered PTSD. I rarely use the term snowflake seriously, but this is one of those situations. You got some mean tweets. You write words on the internet, you can expect to get mean tweets. I've gotten plenty. But this fragile, you know, young 40s reporter who likes to talk about what people are saying on social media and how it's problematic and exposing them for all that they're doing there. That she got held accountable by people who were upset by what she's doing. If that's giving her severe PTSD, maybe she's not cut out for her dream job. A few years ago, she wrote a piece for the New York Times that essentially praised kids in schools who were creating anonymous Instagram pages to call out their peers who they claimed were being racist in schools. It was in the New York Times. High school students and alumni are using social media to expose racism. Learning has been online and remote this semester, so too now are call-outs of questionable behavior. That's what she wrote at the New York Times. And the piece is just, without being too glowing a review, it was essentially a glowing review of the actions these kids and, yes, even teachers were taking. Attacking their peers for the beliefs they held. And these were kids. Yes, some of the kids said something stupid and racist, but they were kids. But she would go in and she would report on these stories. And she would say that these were essentially heroes calling out their racist peers. And she would expose some of what these kids were saying. And the kids who were featured in the stories, they may not have been named, but everybody in their community knew who they were because of those social media pages. And it just piled on. And it's glorified cyberbullying. But because people reacted negatively to her stories and fought back on her story, she blocked me on Twitter because I wrote about it and talked about how she was glorifying cyberbullying. She cannot handle the feedback. She cannot handle the negative feedback for the stuff she says and does on social media. And that's going to do it for us here today and for the week. It's been a great week, guys. Let's have a nice, restful weekend. 
And let's come back Monday and do it all again here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. Remember, in the meantime, catch me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show, and catch up on any shows you might have missed by going to Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts, subscribing and reviewing today.